All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Sky High Sports and Entertainment. And today is going to be a great one. March Madness is kicking off. Aaron Rodgers is going to the Jets, or at least he wants to. And The Last of Us had its season finale. Ted Lasso is back and the Oscars happen. And as always, we're going to have Skylar Swishes with a March Madness special, of course, but a little bit of Steph Curry and Lakers in there for you, too. So let's get into all of it. All right. First up, we have March Madness starting off today, and that is going to be the first swish on Skylar Swishes here. It's an incredibly exciting time of year where the new young players come to show out. And the main thing to know about this year's March Madness is that it is a wide open field. It is more wide open than it's ever been. For goodness sakes, UNC, who is always a guaranteed to get in, is not in March Madness this year, and that is ridiculous. Uh, Brandon Miller, who has had some off-court issues, leads Alabama as one of the favorites. I don't really think that they're going to win. I think Purdue is very interesting, though, and a team to watch out for, as they have the seven foot two Canadian, Zach Edie playing for them and he is arguably the best player in the tournament Canadian basketball has been amazing just in case you don't know I myself am Canadian so uh yeah very exciting to see him UCLA is looking really good this year as a number two seed I think they could actually really be the dark horse in this tournament uh as weird as it is to say a number two seed is a dark horse but that's just how it is this year and they also have Amari Bailey um who I saw at Sierra Canyon play and he he was a fantastic player. They've also still got Tiger Campbell. They've got Haquez Jr. Um, and so he is an amazing player, one of the best in the tournament as well. And those are a few teams that for me personally, I definitely have my eye on. But overall, it's it's a very wide open field is the thing to know. You know, Duke is only a five seed this year. They're usually fantastic. So don't be surprised if it's not a bunch of number one and two seeds. It's going to be very interesting this year. But March Madness is incredible. It's a great time to be into basketball and watching. And even if you're not a fan, lots of people make a bracket who aren't big sports fans. So definitely stay tuned into March Madness. That is the first swish is that March Madness has started. For the second swishes, I want to talk about the Los Angeles Lakers, who are looking overall really, really good again after the break. They traded for Jared Vanderbilt, Malik Beasley, and of course, D'Angelo Russell in a full circle moment comes back to the Lakers. It's hilarious because D'Angelo Russell was actually traded for the 27th pick in a draft where they drafted Kyle Kuzma. The Lakers did. And Kyle Kuzma was then traded for Russell Westbrook. And then Russell Westbrook was traded for D'Angelo Russell. So it all leads back to D'Angelo Russell. But he's on the Lakers. And even though LeBron is out, um, they have won, you know, eight of their last 11 games overall. I mean, I guess they lost in Houston. So eight of their last 12 games now. But uh, I was pretty excited when they won the eight of 11. The Lakers are looking really good. Their team chemistry is much better than they had with Russell Westbrook. Unfortunately, it just wasn't a great fit. Westbrook's looking good in uh, in Clipperland overall with Kawhi and Paul George as well. So shout out to, I guess, both LA teams in that sense, uh, doing very well. But definitely Lakers 
Lakers are really surging, I think, overall. Even without LeBron, the team chemistry is there. And wow, the West is wide, wide, wide open this year. I mean, there's like a game separating all the teams in 10th and 6th place. It is absolutely unbelievable. So uh, definitely stay tuned into that race there and who will make the finals this year. Other than that, for our third and final switch on the NBA, Steph Curry, the three-point specialist, the three-point GOAT, turned 35 years old this year. So shout out to Steph Curry because he dropped a 50-piece last night at the time of this recording to celebrate, even if it was in a loss to Clippers. He's 35 now. He's hitting his signature logo threes, deep threes, and Steph Curry is just looking better than ever if possible uh he looks great and had an amazing game where he was cutting inside quick feet hitting mid-range shots three pointers eight three pointers to be exact and that's just a regular night at the office for him i mean it's unbelievable so shout out to steph for our final basketball swish because boy do we have some big nfl news and that is aaron Rodgers going to the new york jets okay so he's not there yet but he was on the Pat McAfee show and he said that he will not be returning to the Packers. He intends to play for the New York Jets and it's up to them to work out the trade details at this point, which they will. Like they're not going to bring him back if he doesn't want to be there. This divorce has been coming for a long time. It's just the waiting game at this point. And, uh, you know, whether or not the Packers are going to move one first round pick, two first round picks, ask for more, give up less compensation. So that's going to be interesting. And wow, I mean, they brought in, the Jets brought in Alan Lazard, one of Aaron Rodgers' favorite targets. And I said on this podcast last week that I think they might bring in Odell Beckham Jr. And Aaron Rodgers all but confirmed on the Pat McAfee show that that is also what he would like to happen. So it's going to be really interesting to see what exactly happens on that front and if Odell Beckham Jr. returns to New York to play with Aaron Rodgers they have Brees Hall as a running back who was really good and was injured most of last year their defense is third overall and so that's not going to be a problem and when they've got Alan Lazar they've got a great young receiving core that includes Garrett Wilson uh it's it's going to be a pretty talented offense that the New York Jets have so I think that this is going to be a really, really interesting storyline to watch develop, especially if there seems to be a holdup over it. And uh, yeah, I mean, Jets fans will riot if the Jets don't make the trade for Rodgers. They're just trying to see how much exactly they can get away with in terms of uh, what they give up for Aaron Rodgers. So yeah, Aaron Rodgers, I mean, wow, what an incredible career with the Packers as far as 15 years, four MVPs. And let's not forget too that Aaron Rodgers went to the New York Jets after 15 years as the Packers starting quarterback, just like Brett Favre, 15 years as the Packers starting quarterback, and then goes to the New York Jets. Uh, truly unbelievable. This man, Aaron, has been trying to replicate Favre's career to a T, it seems like, even though he said he didn't like him at one point. I just saw an interview with Lil Wayne on Carry a Champions show, actually, where he said as well that Aaron Rodgers has morphed into Brett Favre, and uh, he absolutely has. He's on the Jets, just like him. Uh, 15 years ago, actually, it was 2008, so that's unbelievable, and I'm personally excited to see it. Uh, I really enjoyed early Aaron Rodgers on the Packers Super Bowl MVP. I remember watching him with my dad when he came in 
for an injured Brett Favre in a game against the Cowboys. And he threw like over 200 yards and two touchdowns in a half to win the game. And I said, this guy's going to be really special. I drafted Aaron Rodgers in my fantasy next year in his first year as a starting quarterback. People thought I was nuts, but I did. And he went on to win. And so, yes, he's older now, but if we saw Peyton Manning win a Super Bowl with the Denver Broncos at 39 years old, like Aaron is right now, and Manning could not really throw that well. I think Aaron Rodgers still has the capability, and I think the Jets have a good enough team to protect him that we could see something pretty special uh, go on, even though the AFC is very crowded. So that's going to be a huge storyline going into next season for sure. Uh, in other news, Juju Smith-Schuster left the Chiefs to go to the New England Patriots. So that's a loss for Mahomes, but I think we've seen he can make do with whatever he has. The other big news is Jalen Ramsey going to the Miami Dolphins. And he actually is one of the best corner cornerbacks in the NFL on the defensive side of the ball. And uh, he he bolsters that defense a lot. He's an exciting player. If they get Tua back and Tua's at full health with that offense that they have, look out for Miami. They're gonna, they could be a contender. And uh, since the Marino days, they've had some pretty bad luck and losing streaks. So I'm really, really excited to see that. All right, that wraps up the sports portion as we now move into the entertainment portion where I'm going to recap the Oscars and then go through a bit, a little bit of Last of Us and Ted Lasso. Um, so let's get right into it with the Oscars recap. All right, what an amazing show that that was. Overall, I loved it. I thought it was much more true to what the Oscars have always been, giving out all of the awards and really putting the focus on the movies instead of just trying to get through it, you know, really quick. Obviously, there was no slap this year. Jimmy Kimmel made quite a few jokes about it that were good. I thought some of his jokes were mean-spirited, personally. Not about the slap, just in general throughout the night. I thought the slap, his jokes, were actually the best part of his hosting. But overall, a great show. Everything, everywhere, all at once was the absolute massive winner of the show with seven awards it's an incredible movie with a great message about family and you know all the potential that we have to kind of live up to in different ways we could go but that at the end of the day you just gotta enjoy what you're doing and the life you end up with and most importantly you know the people you enjoy that with whatever whatever you are doing is the most important part it's shown through an absurdist comedy reality and uh you know it's a really fun watch it can definitely be confusing at times uh but this year it was it was definitely the big winner it's a great movie jamie lee curtis best supporting actress michelle yo historic win for best actress as the first asian woman to actually ever win the best actress award so shout out to her for sure and then he he kwan went to my school usc had one of the great academy award speeches of all time oh it was so fun and inspirational and he's crying on stage saying mom i just want an oscar and look at the end of the day you know, we don't choose awards. They're out of our control. And there's a line by Tribe called Quest that says, I never let a statue tell me how nice I am, which is don't let awards determine how you feel about yourself. But for the Oscars and the film industry and, you know, for what people in this industry care about, uh, it's a big award. It's a big moment. It's a big recognition. And for Kihi Kwan to go up there and win that with his story being an immigrant and really not knowing if he could even live a full life here, quitting acting for many years, like nearly 20 to work behind the camera and then coming back and having that moment. Uh, I thought that that was really unbelievable and inspirational. And he said, you know, follow your dreams. Let me be a lesson. And so that was amazing to see fellow Trojan like myself. 
And uh, also, yeah, his director from Indiana Jones, Steven Spielberg, was there, which was really cool to see. He shouted him out at the Golden Globes. But this time when they won Best Picture, he actually hugged Harrison Ford, the man who played Indiana Jones on stage, because Kihi Kwan was a kid in the, in the Indiana Jones movies, and he hugged Harrison Ford in those movies. Everyone's recreating the picture, but very heartwarming moments. So that's one of my big takeaways is everything, everywhere, all at once, uh, winning that many awards, I would say. And then the fact that, you know, it was a great show. It was a great return to form, giving all of those awards out. I do want to say, though, I loved every award, everything, everywhere, all at once won. But I do think Steven Spielberg should have won the Best Director Award for The Fablemans. Uh, he was incredible. He literally showed in the movie what a director's role is by showing Sammy Fableman, a.k.a. young Steven Spielberg, coaching an actor into giving a much better performance and how much Fableman, a.k.a. Spielberg's words, moved him. So I thought that was amazing, right? I've said it before. It's like if Scorsese made a movie about how growing up around watching the gangster scenes in real life take place outside his window influenced his movie, that was what this was like for Spielberg. And uh, it was a real masterclass. Michelle Williams could have won Best Actress. She was incredible as well. Um, and so I think that, you know, Spielberg making a movie about his life uh, as opposed to the Daniels, who did everything everywhere all at once. This was our second major motion picture. And, uh, you know, they mostly did music videos. And I know it's not on merit, of course, but I still think that Spielberg, as a traditional director, did a better job in the sense of the director and creating a world that seemed very livable and interesting and gave us insight into his life growing up. Uh, was something to be noted. But regardless, epic movie, Fablemans, everything everywhere all at once. You can't go wrong. They were both amazing. All Quiet on the Western Front was a big winner as well. Um, so yeah, if you like war movies, it's great. But cinematically, cinematography, sound, um, makeup, everything, it was unbelievable. So, you know, if you really like filmmaking, that's definitely a good one for you to watch. And uh, th those were some of the main winners because that won four as well. Everything Everywhere All at Once and All Quiet on the Western Front, which is available on Netflix. So that is all for the Oscars recap, because at the same time, while Pedro Pascal was at the Oscars, he was on HBO for the final episode of The Last of Us. And wow, what an episode it was. I am going to say right now with The Last of Us and Ted Lasso to close off the episode that there are going to be spoilers here. I'm just going to talk about the episodes and probably my three main takeaways. So uh, if you don't want to hear any spoilers for those shows, either fast forward for the Ted Lasso or, uh, or you know, otherwise fast forward to the end of the episode. But if you're tuning out now, I deeply appreciate you listening. Please subscribe and download and uh, feel free to reach out any questions or topics. Always appreciate everyone listening. But let's get right into it with The Last of Us. What an amazing show. What an amazing finale. Absolutely incredible stuff with uh, Joel basically taking Ellie. Their quest is over. She's there and she's about to get... Um, She's about to, you know, get her brain operated on so they can remove the cordyceps gene she has so that they can save humanity. But we first learn at the beginning of episode that Ellie's mother was bitten by an affected as she was giving birth to Ellie. And that's really what gave Ellie this very special gene that could theoretically save mankind in this apocalyptic world. We really learned about Ellie 
and how she got what are essentially superpowers in a world where everyone gets bitten by infected and their whole life is based around not getting bitten by infected. So they get to the camp and they're knocked out and Joel's a hostage and Ellie can basically save the world. But unfortunately, they would be sacrificing her. They would be killing her. In the pilot, in the incredible pilot, one of the best I've ever seen, Joel lost his uh, daughter, unfortunately. And because he lost his daughter, it's made him very hardened. And he's not willing to lose Ellie because we've seen throughout the season various situations where Ellie saved Joel, Joel saved Ellie, that um, they've, they've really grown, grown close as an almost father-daughter bond to the point where Pedro has even told Ellie a bit about his daughter and said he loved her, you know, and, and called her his baby girl, just like he did with his daughter. And that was obviously to set up the emotions in this episode um, where Joel ends up, and again, spoilers here, ends up deciding that he cannot lose Ellie. And he murders a whole bunch of people there to make sure that he can save her while she's passed out and take her away and continue living life with her. Um, so the question, but it's it's left on a very interesting note. But yeah, it was pretty, it's pretty heart-wrenching because we've grown to really like Joel. And, and this was this was like downright evil. I mean, you know, you can say it's for the greater good. You can say he wasn't willing to lose his daughter. We haven't walked a a mile in Joel's shoes, of course. And, but I mean, I think we just didn't realize the depths to which um, he'd become so hardened and, and the fact that killing didn't matter to him in that world. It, it wasn't like he thought about each individual life and it is based on a video game. And that was what it felt like just to like shoot him up scene. But we've seen the show, we've gotten to know people and characters. So, you know, that, you know, each of them had a life and uh, it, it was very heart wrenching and emotional and intense and the way it, it ended um, to see that. But yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see next season Ellie will probably, I haven't played the game, so that is not a spoiler. No video game spoilers here, but uh, it'll be interesting to see if Ellie finds out and, and what she does and uh, what's going to happen with Joel and Ellie and where they're sort of, sort of going to go next. It was, they wrapped it up quite well, but I know that with the game, there's obviously more and there's going to be a season two, but oh my God, it's, it's, you can hear, you know, the, the emotion I'm describing. It, it's definitely so unbelievably worth a watch it is an incredible show and uh could not recommend the last of us more highly can't wait for season two um but in the meantime that may be over but that didn't sound like a feel-good show but the most feel-good show on television has returned and that is ted lasso season three episode one smells like mean spirit classic ted lasso title with the dad humor but man they always deliver it so well uh it's great it's like seeing all your old friends again ted is you know saying goodbye to his son at the airport and uh definitely a bit of an emotional scene he calls his therapist dr sharon after good that she's still in the fold of things and uh yeah we kind of catch up with everyone Richmond is back in the uh, back in the Premier League. They've been promoted, but everyone is predicting them to finish last. And as you'll remember from last season, Nate Nathan Shelley has joined up with Rebecca's arch nemesis, her ex husband Rupert Mannion. And uh, yeah, you definitely see that. You know, Nate has really played into the jerk role. You know, he really let his time being bullied and his growing up years with his parents not approving of him affect him and turn into the ultimate bully himself. He bullies the team he's on. And eventually, 
uh, what happens is that he gives a press conference and starts really insulting Ted Lasso, who obviously we know gave Nate his start. And from there, we see what Ted and his team are up to because they're not looking too excited after all the predictions that they're going to fail. So Ted takes them into the sewers and shows them the sewer system to show that things flow just like the sewers. All of the, as Jamie, Jamie Tart says, poopé to describe it like poopy, um, but he says poopé. And so he describes it as that and that all the poopé flows out uh, through the sewer system. And that's how Ted wants them to view all of the criticism of them. It's a great analogy. It's classic Ted Lasso. But when Nate gets wind of it, he makes a real uh, dig at Ted using it. And Rebecca, the owner of the team, hears about it and she's very concerned. And so, uh, yeah, so from there, Ted goes and gives a press conference and he takes the high road against Nathan, compliments him, says he's great at pointing out weaknesses. And then Ted points out weaknesses against himself, which reminded me a little bit like B-Rabbit at the end of Eight Mile, poking fun at himself so that no one else could, which was a weird turn for someone as positive as Ted to take. But overall, I think just... He took the high road and uh, was totally himself. And in that case, yeah, you know, use some uh, self-depreciating humor a little bit to get through it and uh, communicated a great message to everyone that he wasn't going to let what Nate said bother him. And we see in the press conference a moment where Nate's insecurities come back. He ducks below the table. Another big storyline in this episode is uh, that Keely and Roy Kent break up at the end. Everyone's favorite couple because Keely is too busy with her PR firm. Roy Kent is too busy coaching. So we'll see how that develops. I think Roy Kent coaching is going to be a really awesome storyline because uh, we know he's one of the best characters on the show. So yeah, the episode ends with... Um, Ted finding out that his wife is seeing a new man and sorry, his ex-wife, uh, but still, you know, talking to his son on FaceTime, not easy stuff and sort of seeing how Richmond's season is going to progress. I will also say it was shocking to see Jamie Tart remind everyone of Ted's lesson. He's gone from being the most arrogant character to one of the most chill on the team. So that's been pretty fun to see. Uh, overall though, what an unbelievable episode because also we end off with Nate getting keys to a car from Rupert and Rupert has a bit of a sense about him that he's looking out for Nate but not really he pokes fun at him a bit so I think things might go south I think we could see a Nate Ted Lasso reunion towards the end of the season but when West Ham Rupert's team and AFC Richmond, Ted Lasso's team play. That's going to be really, really interesting to see. Um, obviously, Nate being the coach of West Ham. So, yeah, it's going to be an amazing season on Ted Lasso. Great setup overall. Feel good television, as always. And I expect them to get deeper into some storylines as we go here. Other than that, though, Succession and Yellow Jackets are uh, returning next week after this episode. Uh, so I'm definitely going to be covering the return of those a bit and definitely got some great guests coming on to talk to my friend Orlando Johnson, who played in the NBA and uh, many more. So thank you all so much for tuning in to Sky High Sports and Entertainment. Please download, subscribe, share with anyone you know who would like it. 
And uh, feel free to reach out anytime you guys want something on. Drop a five-star rating and review. I would really, really appreciate it. So uh, thank you all for your support always. I hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode. Stay tuned for some great guests coming up soon. Some great content and coverage on the best in sports and entertainment and my thoughts and what I enjoyed. And uh, yeah, definitely check out Ted Lasso's season one episode and some March Madness before we get into NBA playoffs. And stay tuned to see what's going to happen with Aaron Rodgers, the Jets, and more free agency dominoes. But once again, thank you for tuning in to Sky High Sports and Entertainment.